Good morning. Good morning, all. Come on in. I'm Angela Herrera, the Senior Minister. Welcome to First Unitarian Church. I'm here this morning with Associate Minister Bob Lavalley, with Lay Leader Kristen Satterley, our DJ Arnie Gullerud, and the rest of our wonderful tech team, of course, Chris, Michaela, Alex, and Erica. We're glad to see you this morning, and we're glad also to welcome the talented Linda Myers back as our live musician this morning. And we thank Katie Colbert, who prepared our time for all ages. We especially want to extend a special welcome to any new visitors who are here with us. If you are a new visitor and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat box so that we can greet you personally. We look forward to meeting you. All right, as we get rolling, Kristen has just one announcement, but it's a big one. Good morning. Indeed, this is an announcement we have all been wondering about and many have been anxiously awaiting. So I'm excited to tell you that after many months of being an all virtual church, we now have a date to resume Sunday services in person in the sanctuary. On September 12th, we will join many other UU congregations across the country in holding an in-gathering Sunday. In-person services are resuming on September 12th. But we are adapting with these times, so things are going to be different than they were before. Instead of holding two in-person services like we used to, beginning on September 12th, we'll hold one service on Zoom at 9 a.m., and one service in person at 11 a.m. We're still exploring the possibility of holding hybrid services in the future where everybody's all together, virtual and in person at the same time. But we've made the decision to hold two separate services for now in order to maintain the highest quality for each. Both services are really important to us. And we'll be sharing more details in the coming weeks. To those who are ready to gather with others inside the sanctuary. To those who plan to stay virtual for now. And to anyone who may do both. We are glad you're here. It's good to be together. Hi, everyone. I'm delighted to say that I'm lighting the chalice today from inside our sanctuary, actually in the sanctuary. You know, just as you just heard, we're working very hard to reopen and we really look forward to the day when we can all light the chalice together in person in this space. Until then, it's just me here. With love, we light this flame. With joy, we light this flame. With compassion, we light this flame. Together, we are this flame. Good morning, First Unitarian Zoom community. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here this morning. Thank you to the worship team for making this service so special. And, and um, so I have a song for you this morning, a few songs. Uh, the first one is called Be Kind.
a simple truth, a daily choice. Just be kind, be kind. Pay attention to the inside, attention to the outside. Be kind. heart seeks the love your soul needs it's already there within you just waiting to be set free just be kind be kind pay attention to the inside attention to the outside be I have so much doubt This world's filled with so much pain How can I make a difference? Will anything really change if I try to be kind, be kind. Pay attention to the inside, attention to the outside, be kind. A simple truth, a daily choice, just be kind, be kind. The peace your heart seeks, the love your soul needs. Be kind, be kind. Ms. Ann, would you light the chalice as we say our principles? Each person is important. Kind and fair in all you do. We're free to learn together. We search for what is true. All people need a voice. Build a fair and peaceful world. We take care of our planet. We work together for diversity and against racism and oppression. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. Our time for all ages today is a retelling of a German folk story. There once was a little word of praise. She longed to grow into something big and strong, but her mother would stroke her head and say, I'm afraid you will always be little, but never forget a little word of heartfelt praise is greater and stronger and more courageous 
than a harsh word of command and criticism. As she wandered through the world, she was nearly knocked over by a man who was rushing so fast to get to work on time. She hitched a ride on his briefcase and sat quietly on the corner of his desk. She listened, sadly, as he unloaded his bad temper on everyone that was working with him. You are late, he yelled at one unfortunate colleague. I don't want to hear your excuse. One more late morning and you are fired. Get that job done right now, he barked at another. I can't imagine why it is taking you so long to get it completed. It's overdue. You, over there. I don't even know your name, but I need fresh coffee. This one is cold. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Then he heard a little voice from the corner of his desk. Excuse me, sir, but could you use a gentle word of praise? Praise, he grumbled. Whatever for. These people are here to work and make money for me. There's no room for praise, only room for me telling them what to do and for them doing it. Morons, the lot of them. And a little word of praise swallowed hard and moved on. A bit further, she found her way into a big house through an open window. And in the kitchen, there was a woman who was running around frantically trying to cook a meal while also shouting at three very unruly children who flat out refused to do what she told them to do. Put those toys away right now, she shouted at one child. Do your homework. Stop fidgeting. Stay still. Just, just, just do it, she bellowed at another. And you, you are being too loud. Quiet down or you'll go to bed without any dinner, she threatened the third. And the little word of praise was distressed by this turmoil. Excuse me, she ventured to the woman, but could you use a little word of praise? What I need is three extra pairs of hands and a big stick to keep up with these terrible children and put them in order. Now get out of my kitchen. The little word of praise was sad and she wiped a tear from her cheek and she moved on. Eventually, she came to a school. She slipped into the classroom and sat down on a quiet corner of the teacher's desk. The children in the room were not very happy. In fact, some of them were crying. The teacher had nothing but criticism for the students. As our little friend listened, heartbroken, she heard the teacher bark out orders. Sit up straight. Stop fidgeting. Go stand in the corner. Do your work, all right? Be quiet. And then something remarkable happened. The teacher was silent for a few minutes. She thought she had heard a whisper in her ear. Excuse me, it had said, but could you use a little word of gentle praise? It was as though suddenly the sun had come out again. The children couldn't believe their ears. Your writing is improving, David. I'm so proud of you. I know you've been working hard. 
What a lovely painting, Bridget. It makes me feel joy just looking at it. And Jamie, you've been a big help to me today. I want you to know that I appreciate you. The little word of praise was delighted. She watched entranced as each little face relaxed and began to shine again. The classroom felt warmer, the air fresher, happiness had moved in. She ran home to her mother and told her about the day's adventures. Well, there you are, my dear, her mother said, smiling. You may be very little, but you are stronger and braver than all those big commands. You are strong enough to make the sun rise in people's hearts. The end and blessed be, and I hope you all have a beautiful week. Thank you, Katie. Let's pause the chat for a few moments during our meditation and prayer. And let's move into a meditative space. Make yourself comfortable. Feel your rootedness with whatever is supporting you, the floor, a chair, a couch, the world. You know, one of the benefits of cultivating a meditation practice is that it helps us to build our ability to respond rather than react. When we develop the ability to take note of our thoughts as we think them, we can learn how not to say the first thing that comes to us when we're confronted by speech that surprises or upsets us. And that generally means that our words are wiser and kinder. As we meditate today, let's practice noting our thoughts. As a thought comes up, which they'll be there by the dozen, take a look at that thought and say to yourself, that's thinking, that's thinking. What's for dinner? That's thinking. Then let it go and return your focus to your breath. In that spirit, let's be together in sacred silence for two minutes.
Each day, we breathe in both joy and worry, breathe out both gratitude and sorrow. Here in this shared space, even across distance, we breathe together in a beloved community. When we share our joys and sorrows, we are lifted by one another's gladness and help to lighten each other's burdens. When the music begins, share your joys and then your concerns in the chat bar as prompted by the video, so we may hold them together. If you cannot write in the chat bar today, or if what you hold is too private or too tender to express in this way, we are still here for you. Please contact the care team at caring at uuabq.org. Now, let us share together what is on our hearts. Breathe. 
by sharing our joys and concerns, we are companions to each other, genuine companions within this beloved congregation. We lift up joys for siblings and family joining us on Zoom together, and joy for rain happening as we speak, hummingbirds, poetry, and healing and the possibility of healing and the kids camp that happened this past week at church. And we hold each other in our concerns. And Samantha's sister's boyfriend has passed. We may light perpetual shine upon him. And we lift up Carlos's sister. We think of a, we grieve for a divided nation. And we remember Chucky Mueller's brother-in-law May light perpetual shine on him. And we lift up Gary Norris as he struggles with health. All these concerns and joys and all those joys and concerns held in our hearts unspoken, but no less deeply felt. All these we lift up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal known by many names. We mourn the passing of longtime congregant Marilyn Hill. May she live on in the hearts of this congregation and may light perpetual shine upon her. We pray for Joyce Kaiser as she enters hospice. May she find peace in this sacred time. We lift up Joy Ginther as she recovers from knee surgery May her healing be swift and comfortable. And we lift up Hillary Berger as she struggles with chronic pain. May she find relief and wellness and may, may it happen quickly. We pray for Nancy Cushman as she struggles, as she recovers from a health challenge. May this congregation carry her and Joyce and Joy and Hillary with their prayers. We grieve with all those re-traumatized by the discovery of mass graves at the schools set up by white colonizers to destroy native culture and language. We give thanks for the Secretary of Interior's efforts to bring the truth of this genocide to light. May justice be done. We pray for those, those people who can't get vaccinated for COVID-19, who are too young or immunosuppressed or have another legitimate medical reason. As we move into this time of reopening, may we consider the ways that we can keep them safe and included. And may those who are able to get vaccinated but haven't yet, may they come to see their responsibility to the common good and do what is right and get the shot. In this time of emergence, transition, transformation, we give ourselves permission to mourn what has been lost. We give ourselves permission to acknowledge the ways that the world is deeply broken, even as we see its beauty. And we remember the ways that despite all this, we are still whole and complete.
in this time of emergence and transition and transformation. We pray for our congregation. We pray that love and our mission of hospitality and service guide us in the weeks and months to come. We pray that we keep each other close as we navigate uncharted terrain, as we step out of the comforting light of knowing and certainty, and we feel our way into this new way of being and community. May we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you. sense of pride gone that extra mile burn some rubber leave the Joneses in the dust money is honey and you're hooked on the taste can you let it go can you let it go feel some joy feel some pain can you let it go Mind is what holds on, but peace will let it go. Can you let it go? Like the way they kiss you, feels so good. Like the way they hold you, feels just like it should. You've waited so long for somewhere to belong. There's a craving in your soul for someone you think will make you whole can you let it go can you let it go feel some joy feel some pain can you let it go the mind is what holds on but peace will let it go can you let it go to be right can't stand to be wrong you look back in the past and tally all the hurts keep a running list and remember who to blame 
measure your shame. Resentment is your drug of choice. Can you let it go? Can you let it go? Feel some joy, feel some pain. Can you let it go? Mind is what holds on, but peace will let it go. Can you let it go? It's always tomorrow. Singing that song tomorrow. Waiting for the next day. Maybe then you'll be okay. Living on a timeline, but never in the now. You set aside a store only to find it's empty at your core. Can you let it go? Can you let it go? Feel some joy, feel some pain. Can you let them go? Mind is what holds on, but peace will let it go. Our reading this morning is a story from the book Kindness, a treasury of Buddhist wisdom for children and parents by Sarah Conover. One day, the Buddha and a large following of monks and nuns were passing through a village. The Buddha chose a large shade tree to sit beneath so the group could rest a while out of the heat. He often chose times like these to teach, and so he began to speak. Soon, villagers heard about the visiting teacher and many gathered around to hear him. One surly young man stood to the side, watching as the crowd grew larger and larger. To him, it seemed that there were too many people traveling from the city to his village and each had something to sell or teach. Impatient with the bulging crowd of monks and villagers, he shouted at the Buddha, go away, you just wanna take advantage of us. Your teachers come here to say a few pretty words and then ask for food and money. But the Buddha was unruffled by these insults. He remained calm, exuding a feeling of loving kindness. He politely requested that the man come forward. Then he asked, young sir, if you purchased a lovely gift for someone, but that person did not accept the gift, to whom does the gift then belong? The odd question took the young man by surprise. I guess the gift would still be mine because I'm the one who bought it. Exactly so, replied the Buddha. Now, you have just cursed me and been angry with me. But if I do not accept your curses, if I do not get insulted and angry in return, these curses will fall back upon you, the same as the gift returning to its owner. The young man clasped his hands together and slowly bowed to the Buddha. It was an acknowledgement that a valuable lesson had been learned. And so the Buddha concluded for all to hear. As a mirror reflects an object, as a still lake reflects the sky, take care that what you speak or act is for good, for goodness will always cast back goodness and harm will always cast back harm.
Last week, I preached about transitions. I talked about how we're all going through a big one, adapting to this time in the pandemic. And within that, we're all going through one together as a church community, reopening our sanctuary for Sunday services beginning September 12th, learning how to do church differently as a part in-person, part virtual congregation. And many of us are also going through other transitions in our personal or work lives as well. There's just so much going on. And last week, I also talked about the three phases of a transition, how every transition has a beginning when we say goodbye to what was. Every transition has an ending when you live into the new thing. A new beginning means the transition is over. And every transition has a middle or neutral zone. When you're not in the old reality and you're not in the new one yet either, that's the neutral zone. It can be anxiety provoking. It can be confusing. You can find yourself wanting answers right now. Emotions can run high or pop up out of nowhere. Have you been on the receiving end of any outsized emotions lately? Have you had any outsized feelings? Maybe somebody even called it, even called it overreacting. Has that happened? If so, it really might be connected to all these transitions that are underway. Even things that seem unrelated can actually be connected. So that was last week. For today, building on what we know now about transitions, I wanna lift up three observations. First, that humans are profoundly social creatures. Both the worst pain and the greatest joy we can experience happen in our relationships with one another. Humans also almost always report that their life's greatest meaning involves somehow their relationships with others. And that's what church is fundamentally about. It's about meaning and it's about celebrating and nurturing joy and about comforting one another in times of pain. That's the first observation. Second, what, that when we feel anxious or unsettled, we sometimes also experience conflict and disconnection with the people around us. And third, that another possibility is that we can notice what's happening. We can share that experience with each other. We can let it bring us closer. And that our communication skills will help us with that. So that's what today's sermon is all about. Consider it a life hack for the neutral zone. And it has a cool elephant story in it. So we started with the reading, a Buddhist parable. I also shared this parable with some of our congregation's children and youth this week at UU Kids Camp. The camp usually happens a few hours away from here at a sleepaway camp, but this year because of COVID-19, it's a day camp on the church campus. So I got to drop in one of the many silver linings of this year. Now, I know that at first glance, you could say, that this parable sounds like a parable about a failed communication, right? An angry man yells something and the Buddha's like, nope, <laughs> right? I'm gonna come back to that in just a second. First, here's another more modern parable. Not the elephant story yet, different one. 
dead ahead through the pitch black night, the captain sees a light on a collision course with his ship. He sends a signal, change your course 10 degrees east to avoid collision. Promptly, a reply comes in, recommend you change your course 10 degrees west. The captain responds, this is the captain of a British Navy ship. I say again, change your course, sir. The response, I repeat, you will have to change your course. The captain, furious by now, responds, I'm not changing course. Change your course immediately or countermeasures will be taken to ensure the safety of this ship. I man a battleship and I mean business. The reply came without delay. I'm a lighthouse, your call. This is one of those stories that's been around a long time and nobody can remember who started it, but it'll preach as they say. In both of these stories, one party communicates something and the other refuses to receive it as intended. But there is a difference. In the Buddhist one, the Buddha is responsive, but not reactive. He responds to the angry man's comment by incorporating it into his teaching for the crowd, but he doesn't react to it by getting defensive or angry. He sees that moment in its context and he responds in the context. In the lighthouse story, it's the opposite, right? The captain is very reactive. He does not give the context very much thought. If he had, he might've been less eager to fire off like that and more responsive, more curious. So together they offer two helpful reminders about communication that we can choose not to take on other people's negative emotions and that it's wise to be curious instead of reactive when a conversation partner responds negatively to something we've said. That is challenging in the moment though, right? Sometimes somebody says something that rubs us the wrong way or it strikes us as insensitive or unfair. And maybe we're already at our wits end because of other stress. And you know that feeling you get, right? That fighting feeling. At kids camp, I asked the group, when you feel mad, where do you feel it in your body? Because, you know, sometimes our bodies actually know we're having a feeling before we are conscious of it. Our bodies can clue us in before we say something regrettable. And one of the kids replied that they can feel it in their jaw. Okay, I know exactly what they meant by that. Do you know? My husband says that he knows I'm mad when he sees me stick my jaw out like that a very subtle movement. And when I do that, it's like, watch out, right? <laughs> but now he'll tell me, he'll say, I see that you just did that thing with your jaw. Can we keep each other close? I think this is very Buddha-like of him because while I may not bow in that moment, it does interrupt what would have probably been a chain reaction otherwise. You know, in a chain reaction, our hearts, hardened toward the other person. We speak from that place and then it elicits the same reaction in them. And the more this energy feeds off of itself and grows, the more certain we become of the righteousness of our position and the wrongness of the other person's. That's what today's Buddhist parable was about, right? About not mindlessly getting caught up in a chain reaction. So 
So one of the things we can do to become more skillful at communication is to notice when we might take on another person's negative emotions and we can gently decline that gift. And another thing we can do is to be aware of our own emotions, noticing when they arise and when we might be inclined to try to give that gift ourselves. With those two skills, we're able to avoid getting tangled up in feelings and chain reactions to feelings so that we can be more present. And when we are present, then we can actually do what is the number one most important thing in communication. You know what it is? We usually think of communication as like this process of active reciprocal self-expression, right? One person says something and then another person says something, but actually none of that is the most important part at all. The most important part of communication is not talking, but listening. Because no amount of talking will bring people together. if Nobody's listening, right? And I don't just mean listening with our ears, that's hearing. Listening has to do with the quality of our attention. You can be a great listener without hearing a thing, actually. And I've got a story about that. This one is not a parable. It is the elephant story. It's a story about Katie Payne, who is an acoustic biologist. That means she studies animal sounds. Payne is the researcher who first noticed that whales not only sing, but that they change their songs over time as a whole group. She discovered that. One time when Katie Payne was visiting the Pacific Northwest for a conference, she learned that a baby elephant had been born at the Portland Zoo. It was being kept together with its mother and also with two other elephant mothers and their babies, as though they were all one family, even though the mothers were from three different continents. Payne thought it would be really interesting to go to the zoo and just hang out with these elephants and see what they were like. Now, this wasn't meant to be a scientific study. Payne describes it as an innocent, playful, childish thing that she just really wanted to do. So she got permission from the zookeepers to spend a week with the elephants. And I'm sure her credentials as a biologist were helpful. Now, while she was there, she says she kept having this feeling of the, the pressure changing in her ears. She says it was like the air was throbbing or thrilling or shuddering. Those are her words. And she noticed that it was only happening near the elephants, not in the rest of the zoo. Well, she knew from her work with whales that there are some sounds that are too low for the human ear to hear. So she investigated further. She must have brought in some kind of equipment or something. And she discovered that she was right. The elephants were communicating. She had somehow sensed what she could not hear. What sense was she using? We speak of the five senses, taste, smell, sight, hearing, touch. She couldn't hear it. She says she felt it, but she didn't feel it by touching it. Her body registered it, the air throbbing or something. And she was paying attention and she noticed. We have so many ways of knowing we humans. 
when we are communicating with each other person to person, it's such a routine part of life. It happens so often that a lot of the time for a lot of us, it's kind of an automatic pilot sort of a situation, right? Unless something is happening to slow us down. But in our interactions with each other, we can also develop a skill of paying attention so that we notice what's not obvious. And it's really not that hard to do. Katie Payne says that if you go hang out near some elephants and pay attention, you too can feel that thing happening in the air when they communicate. The hardest part is remembering to pay attention. Likewise, when humans communicate, the hardest part is probably just remembering to pay attention so that you can listen to what the person is saying, to what they may not be saying, to their body language, to the context, to what your body is telling you about your reactions and to the impact of your response. Also, it is important to listen to how you yourself sound in what you say. I had an unforgettable lesson about this one time. It was in the early 2000s. I think my daughter was probably about seven, my son probably about four years old. And she had suddenly started getting really snarly with him. They'd be playing together, for instance, and she would suddenly shout, stop singing that, you're being annoying. We'd been trying to get her to lighten up, just be nicer to him. And then one day in the car, my husband asked me something. I don't remember what it was, but for some reason, I must not have liked it because I heard myself snap at him in exactly the same out of the blue way, like the same tone and everything. My daughter had been imitating me like a little mockingbird. Well, I could have bowed, right? Like a still lake reflects like a mirror. A couple of weeks ago, I encouraged you to find your edge and soften. Remember that? Find your edge and soften. One of the obstacles to communication is when we contract, when we harden. So soften your edge, soften your heart as you speak and as you listen to yourself and to others. Not taking on others' negative feelings, being curious when we encounter resistance, listening and softening. These are practices that will help us social creatures stay connected and stay in right relationship. And that way they are among the spiritual practices that carry us through this time right there along with praying for each other and for our congregation and for our world every Sunday. May it be so. And in this time, as always, may you be at peace in your heart and may we all make our lives a blessing upon others through our manner of being in this world. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico is our Change for the Future recipient for the months of June, July, and August. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico provides information, referral, support, and advocacy for people in New Mexico with brain injuries. 
You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. If you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. Now, let us exercise together the enduring power of generosity. Slippery slope, the rabbit hole of faith and hope. Belief diseased by cynics, ease and tragedy. Precarious edge of history, forget the past, repeat the doom. How to hold on to life. Defeat despair, hold tight to care. Deep breath, breathe love and peace. Forget the fight, the flight, the freeze. Stand firm in love and peace. Elastic steel, the ebb and flow of passion, zeal, truth. By politics and media, hope dangles by just a thread, but oh, that thread's connected to the web of life and divine love. Defeat despair, hold tight to care, deep breath, breathe love, breathe peace. Forget the fight, the flight, the freeze. Stand firm in love and peace. Defeat despair, hold tight to care. Deep breath, breathe love. Breathe peace. What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of the Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico, the excellent work that they do. We're coming towards the end of our service, and if you'd like to stay and chat with the other lovely people who are on this Zoom call, just stick around till the end of the credits, and you'll be invited to join into a breakout room. And uh, while you're in that breakout room, I have a discussion question to offer. If you're interested to talk about it with other people or with yourself or with your family, my question is, what have you softened your edge? What have you softened your edge? So hold that question as we move towards the end of the service. And now we extinguish our chalices and candles. Go in peace, friends, and may love bless you and keep you until we are gathered again. Blessed be.